Welcome to the Pactum. This is Pat Avendroth. I'm with Mike Grimes. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Okay. I'm a little cold today, but otherwise I'm doing well. It's actually supposed to be warm today. I'm going to get out on the mountain bike doing biking things, I hope, this afternoon before it gets dark at, you know, like 3 p.m. 3 o'clock, right? Right. So today <laughs> today we're episode we're on episode 95. It's yeah. called Israel Matters. We're going to talk about the land of Israel. Not Ooh. for you if you're going to Israel, although this will be relevant for you, but really our audience is... Christians. What should Christians know about Israel? What oh. should Christians know about the land of Israel, whether they're going there, which is really cool, uh, or not? So should you be a Zionist? Should you uh, call it the Holy Land? Is it the promised land? Should you send money there when televangelists say, you know, we need to go oh. support the nation of Israel? Yeah. It's a relevant question and sure, we want to yeah. offer a biblical perspective oh yeah uh, we might have opinions beyond the bible i might be as an american citizen i might be pro-israel i like israel sure uh, all of those sorts of things but that's not what we're going to get at sure. we're going to get at as christians from a biblical perspective how should we think about the land how should we think about the land of israel yeah that we that we read about in the bible i think it's a great question i think there are a lot of christians who think about that wonder about that and they're just kind of unsure. What should I think about Israel, the land? How should I think about that as a Christian? So, yeah. Pactum listeners, stay tuned for the serious stuff. But before yeah. we get to the serious stuff, there are some interesting fun facts about Israel, like oh, it's yeah. about the size of New Jersey. That kind of puts things in perspective. Yep, it does. If and when you ever go there, it feels big in some senses, and it feels kind of like New Jersey in other senses. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, the Dead Sea is the lowest place on Earth, so hey. it's kind of cool to say I've ridden a bicycle on the lowest place on Earth. You know, speaking of so, that, I'm going to pause you there. Yeah, I was in a store the other day, uh -huh. and they had this bracelet, and okay. it was all about balancing yourself. Really, and they had these beads or something, and one bead was filled with mud from the Dead Sea. Oh, because wow. sometimes you hit the lowest point in your life. <laughs> and then exactly opposite on the bracelet, on the top one. It was Everest. -like. It was water from Everest. Oh. The highest because of the highs. I don't so know. do you think they just put it, you know, it was like know. bathtub water? It's bathtub water and they, mud they from made the, it up? the garden. Oh. Who knows? Anyway. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so glue on the stamps in Israel is uh, kosher glue. It is? Yeah, it is. You heard oh, it here on wow. the, on the no pack idea. Of, right? Tel Aviv is the third highest seller of sushi per capita. Ooh. Uh, after Tokyo and New York City. Oh, really? You can get hummus-flavored ice cream in Israel. Oh. And not, oh. Only, not only that, <laughs> according to G Israeli scientists and probably rabbis, giraffe milk is kosher. So in case, in case you're at the zoo and you're real thirsty in I Israel. I dare you to try it. It is kosher. Oh, man. Cherry tomatoes were engineered in Israel. Right? Huh. Over a thousand letters every year arrive in Jerusalem addressed to God. Serious. Uh -huh. Fast, actually, this is yeah, fascinating. It is. In 1952, Albert Einstein was asked to be the president. What do you oh. think? He declined. Uh, he, yeah. Uh, right? Sure. Yep. Not only that, on some apartment leases, uh, I read many, I don't know if it's true or not, but many of them, there's a stipulation that it, it says, if and when the Messiah comes, your lease is void and the tenants have to move out. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. That's some wild Israel trivia, did you know, type stuff. Absolutely. That's, it is. You know, and it's just before the holidays here while we're recording this. So, Pactumverse listeners, we have just given you some amazing, interesting things to talk about at if your you, dinners. You know what? If you want to keep kosher, you can have giraffe milk. Giraffe milk. So, serve it up. So, there it is. Somebody's going to give us giraffe milk to try. I hope not. I hope not. I, I'm, not I'm not down with it. <laughs> 
I'm not down with it. Okay, oh, let's man. do it. Let's do seven because seven things you need to know about that's the land an, of why Israel. Seven? That's interesting. Well, let the let the listener understand why it <laughs> should be seven. <laughs> we do have uh-huh. seven, and the first thing you should know about Israel is that Israel is a real place. That. It is. <laughs> it kind of sounds dumb, doesn't you it? You heard it here first. If you've folks. ever seen a globe, right. if you have Google, Google Maps, Maps or something, and I yeah. actually looked it up, 31.7785 degrees north, okay. 35.2296 degrees east, you would be at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. There you go. So real place. It, it really is a place, but I br- <laughs> we bring it up today on the Pactum because a lot of times when you're speaking with people and you're talking to them about Christianity, they, they hear you as talking about mythology. Oh, sure. Yeah. They yeah, hear yeah. you as talking about something that's, you know, maybe not as good as Narnia or Middle Earth. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I find it helpful to talk about the land. I, th- I find it helpful to talk about the place that in an actual place outside of the city gates in the Middle East on a Friday afternoon, yeah, yeah. the one who grew up in Nazareth, Jesus was crucified. He was executed. Yeah. And if you speak in, ter- in those kinds of terms and you talk about the actual places and Jericho is an actual place and you can go and see the walls caved over hmm. uh, even today in the archaeological dig sites, things like that, uh, it it doesn't convert people. Yeah. yeah but yeah. from an apologetics vantage point, sure. it certainly keeps the conversation going. Yep. And I found people to give me the strangest looks in a good way like, huh, hmm. I never actually really thought about it, the fact that Israel is a real place. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's not just the flannel graph type stuff. It's not these stories that are made up and you hear growing up in Sunday schools or where have yous. There's historicity here. It's a real, actual, factual At, happen. It's a place. Yeah. So yeah, Pactum listeners, don't forget that. And it can provide really good conversation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, learn a thing or two about the land and you, you can probably have better conversations with unbelieving friends. Because if you stop and think about it, when unbelievers hear us talking and they think we're pathetic... In one sense, I think they're right. I am pathetic. <laughs> okay. So in principle, I think they're right because right. they think we're talking about fantasy. They think we're talking about, you know, faith is in faith. Sure. Yeah. And so there's real history, but then there's Bible history, which is Narnia kind of history. Yeah. 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 And and for them to think we're pathetic is, is actually right if that were true, mm-hmm. because the Apostle Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, if it's not for the historic work of Christ. If it's not for the historic work of Christ, then we of all people should be pitied more than yeah, anybody. Right. Yeah. It's pathetic. It's awful. It's dumb. It's stupid. And a lot of times people hear us or they think of us as Christians, uh, talking about something that's, you know, exists on a different plane than history, a different sure. plane than reality. Yeah. When in fact the, the, the Bible maps in, in Bibles yeah. <laughs> are, are talking about real places because there are real people doing real things. It's not fantasy. It's not mythology. It's actual, it's actuality. It's actuality. So it reminds me of that great Machen quote where he says, faith is only as good as its object. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how true is that? When we're talking about the Christian faith, we're talking about faith in Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, grew up in, and, and on it goes. So yeah. we, we should keep this in mind. And uh, it's one of the reasons I like to know things about the land of Israel and the surrounding region, because it allows me to get the conversation going or to keep it going so I can talk about the fact that we, I might be a pathetic person in general, <laughs> but Christianity is not pathetic. Yeah, um, no, no, no. We're talking about real life history. So I can't stress yeah. that enough yeah. uh, to, to know a thing or two about the history of the place. Number one, 
know that Israel is a real place. I wonder I what somebody would do if you just walked up to them, you know, maybe it's a relative or, you know, a friend or something. You say, do you know Israel is a real place? <laughs> what would they do? Can you show me Israel on a map? Can you, I can type it in my Google search, right? Yep. I've lost count of how many good conversations I've had where people just give me that look like, huh, huh. never actually thought that Jericho is a real a place. Real, yeah, real place. Bethlehem is a real place. That's fascinating. All right. So second thing on our list of seven here, that important number seven, things about Israel. Israel itself is not holy. What? Yeah. It's not holy. Israel <laughs> itself is not oh, holy. Oh, but the Crusaders sure thought it was. They and did. it led yep. to a lot of maybe even well-meaning people uh, yeah. being led astray for centuries yep. because it's the holy land. Mm. Now, Mike... If someone says, oh, we're taking a trip to the Holy Land, Land. are you going to get all up in their grill and say, don't you know, it's not actually really holy and you shouldn't call it that? No. (laughs) I've only said that five. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We we don't want you to be those kinds of people. So we'll we'll model it for you. Uh, If someone says, oh, you know, I've heard you've been to the Holy Land, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to say, yeah, I've been. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I have. So let's not quibble over that actual designation. but. If we stop and think about it, uh, the land wasn't holy before God gave it to his people, Israel, uh, and it, was, it wasn't, it was just land. It yeah. was just, it may have been nice land. It may sure. have been good, the land of milk and honey and things like that. But we have to remember what makes the land holy is actually God mm. and the glory of God. O. Palmer Robertson makes a good comment when he says, so long as the glory, the Shekinah dwelt in the temple of Jerusalem, it was holy. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing the last part of that. Sure. Yeah. But it's because of the unique, special presence of the Holy One, yeah, God yeah. Himself. That's that's really what makes it special. When God designated it for His people, His unique people, His holy people. So in that sense, it's holy. Uh, but we have to keep in mind that it, it was just land. Yeah, uh, it's just general land, and then uh, unique time, unique history, absolutely unique dwelling of God in the temple, for example, would be special. And we'd say, oh yeah, that's set apart land. That's holy land. But then we also need to keep reading our Bibles because uh, even Jesus himself indicated that it's not going to, it's not going to stay holy. Sure. Yeah. Um, right. right. Yeah. It's, it's, things are, things are a change in yes. when we move from the old <laughs> covenant to the new covenant. And so in John chapter four, right. re- yeah. remember Jesus, when he said to the Samaritan woman, woman, this is John four. 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So the, there's the division between the Samaritans right. uh, and the Israelites. Yep. So Mount Gerizim, I think, is yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. where they went. Nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. That's a criticism mm-hmm. uh, of Samaritans. Uh, we worship what we know, the Jews do. So he's affirming the, the temple in Jerusalem. And then he says, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is. So, oh, I'd like to know what the the, the, the score for that would be, what hmm. the music for that would be. It'd be good, right? right? It, it's dawning. The day is coming because Messiah is there. Uh, he's the true ultimate temple. So the hour is coming and now is. Is now here when true worshipers, authentic worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So even there, we see something is changing yeah. that land because of that temple, and it's getting closed down, if you will. 
Sure, yeah. Is not going to be the Holy Land like it had been before. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you go to Matthew 24, and Jesus, after pronouncing the woes of Matthew 23, uh, the disciples basically in Matthew 24, 1 are pointing out how beautiful everything is, and check, sure, out, yeah. check out all the buildings and the temple and how awesome it is. And then it says in verse 2 of Matthew 24, you see all these? You see all these? Do you not? Look around. Yeah, you're telling me how beautiful they are, but I want you to take another look. And then Jesus says this, truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Hmm. So it's it's all going to end. It's all coming to a crashing halt. And in AD 70, indeed, those prophetic words of Jesus came true with the destruction of the temple. So it's not holy the way it was holy. Sure. Yeah. Because of the unique dwelling of God and the temple, it, it's all changing. And now all of a sudden the gospel is going to go to all nations, not just there. And now all of a sudden um, God uniquely dwells in his people in a different way. Yeah. And now it's not limited to Jerusalem, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Is there a sense you think you could say, or maybe some people refer it to refer to it as the Holy Land because that's where redemption was accomplished, See, where Christ... I'm good with that. Walked, right? I mean, you know, so if people are saying it like that, that's, that's all right. It was the Holy Land. It was the Holy Land. <laughs> <laughs> and, now, uh, and now it's not... Or, right? That's a great point. So yeah. historically, when we're talking about redemptive history, it's definitely played that unique role. We could say it's holy also because it's where Jesus did the things. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I do like First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, also where... Peter is addressing Christians, and he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, hmm. people for his own possession. So he's talking to Christians, and he calls Christians a holy nation. He's using that verbiage from the holy land, if right. you will, yeah. and the holy people, yeah. but he's applying it to all Christians. All Christians, now, yeah. yeah. I just listened to a lecture by someone who, uh, I, I couldn't believe he was saying it, but basically said, the only, the only reason First Peter says what it says in chapter 2 is because they were Jewish. Oh. And I'm like, what? Oh. That, that that that's a that's crazy McCrazy sauce. <laughs> crazy McCrazy sauce. I'm glad that view isn't very popular yeah. because most people read First Peter as Peter addressing Christians. As, yeah, he's, yeah. Some would have Christians. been Jews, but the church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. and Gentiles. Right. Yeah. So it would be both, but now he's using that old. Testament language, that old covenant language, applying it differently uh, to all believers, a holy nation. Hmm. And so I want to go to the Holy Land. It just means I'm going to come to your house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Anywhere is the Holy Land. uh, Anywhere is a holy nation if we're talking about the people of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's keep rolling on in this list here of seven things we need to know or should know about Israel. Uh, third, Israel is typological. Ooh, ooh that's a fancy big word. We both, how, ooh. how often do we go, ooh? ooh. Did you say is, typological or typological? I said typological. Okay. I, I wanted to say typological just to see what you would do, but you typological. Did? It's funny. You said typological and I thought, or you said typological <laughs> I and I thought, I'm going to say typological so people can hear it differently. <laughs> so, and, I said typological. And maybe we should say was instead of is yeah. uh, because Old Testament Israel or Old Covenant Israel served, served past tense as a type. Hmm. or a picture or a shadow of what was to come. Hmm. So today, if you were to take a trip to Israel, the Holy Land, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to take a trip to Israel, it, it, 
it's maybe not typing. Uh, <laughs> it's not shadowing <laughs> or picturing the way it had uh, before the temple was destroyed sure. and all of yeah. that sort of thing. So yeah. uh, when something is typological or typological, it anticipates. Yeah. It anticipates something greater, something new, something different. So we could, and I know Pactum listeners are, are aware of these things, but sure. by way of review, Adam is a type of the true and better Adam. Mm-hmm. Read, read Romans chapter 5. Yep. Uh, Passover lambs, they were types of the Passover lamb, yep. anticipating. Uh, David is a type of the greater David yep. who fulfills the Davidic covenant. Uh, all of the different kings of Israel, they, they, were all, they were all kings, but we have to remember that means they were messiahs. They were sure, anointed, anointed ones. Yeah. They were all Christ's, lowercase yep, yep, c. Yeah. So all of those kings of Israel, all of those messiahs are types of the ultimate messiah, mm. Christ the Lord. Uh, and also now we're getting a little warmer to what we're talking about. Sure Israel enough. is the typological or typological, <laughs> is the typological servant of the Lord and therefore a type of the servant. Think oh, Isaiah, Isaiah. Yeah. and the servant um, text there. And then ancient Jerusalem, which is what we're focusing on now, is a type of the ultimate Jerusalem. Hmm. So it's not currently a type because it doesn't look anything, it's not functioning, it doesn't have the temple and the sacrifices and all that, but it was a type of the ultimate Jerusalem. Remember Galatians 4.26, the Jerusalem above Hmm. is the ultimate Jerusalem. So there's a, there's a heavenly Jerusalem, a Jerusalem that will come down from above the ultimate Jerusalem. And that's always been par- a part of God's decree and plan. But he gave a preview. He gave a lesser version, if you will, a hmm. typological, a shadow, a picture of the ultimate in the temporal and the temporary one that was there. Uh, and was destroyed in AD 70, for hmm. example, with the temple. So what happened, you know, if somebody fails to see Israel as... Typological. Does, I mean, that happens. Ball right? of confusion. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the world is today. <laughs> hey, hey. The substance the Bible teaches belongs to Christ. Mm. So the shadows are not the substance. Uh, the types are not the fulfillment or antitype. So right. if you're looking at the shadows and thinking they're, you know, the cat's meow, there mm. are a lot of cats in Israel. I don't know why, but... <laughs> If if the shadows are the everything, that that doesn't make any sense because the the substance, the real, the actuality is what we really want to be consumed with. Right. And so when Paul says the substance belongs to Christ in Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter two verse seventeen, it's not about the types. It's not about uh, the old Jerusalem. Hmm. It's not about the old um, Passover lambs, for example. Right. It's yeah. about the ultimate one. The ultimate so one. Yeah, yeah. we've got to get it in our heads. Uh, that Israel is a type. Israel is typological with the priests and the sacrifices and the kings and all of those things were to anticipate the ultimate who is Christ. We don't want to make that bad mistake. Bad sure. mistake. Yeah, yeah. We're not even acting like Christians when we make that mistake. Hmm. But I think sometimes we do. Yeah, We're yeah. so consumed yeah. with yeah. Israel and the land and all of that. Maybe another text we should go to, Mike, is Hebrews 11. Sure, yeah. Because, the, okay, so it's Galatians 4. Jerusalem from above is the ultimate one, uh, not the first century one. And before that, it's the one that is to come. It's the one that comes from above. Uh, but Hebrews 11 is a good complementary text mm. because of what it teaches us regarding Abraham. Mm. So Hebrews eleven eight by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going by faith. He went to live in, here we go, the land of promise, Mm. 
another way of saying promised land, right. as a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And here's what we, re- we really want to focus on right now. For verse 10 says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Hmm. So I'm going to suggest that he, even he himself knew there was something beyond. Yeah, yeah. And it was going to be, even if he didn't call it that there, uh, there was going to be a greater city, a greater Jerusalem, and it wasn't going to be the one uh, in, yeah. the, in the Middle East when, when he first was able to at least set his eyes upon that far and distant land. Sure, yeah, yeah. Another text is Romans 4.13, which also helps us here to remember that Israel is a type. Israel is a shadow anticipating the substance who is Christ. Uh, Romans 4.13 says, for the promise, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be, did I read that right? For the, for yep. the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the right, through the righteousness of faith. Mm. He's not just, we're not talking about heir just to a, a place the size of sure. New Jersey. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. The U- world. Ultimately, um, the ultimate Jerusalem is going to be, this is this is about the worldwide cosmological salvation. Hmm. Uh, and so there's something more, there's something greater. So when you think about Israel and you read about Israel in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant system, you can be impressed, you can see all of the intricacies, but know that all along it's designed by God to anticipate something far greater uh, that will find its ultimate actuality in Christ Jesus, the Lord, who's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hmm, that's good. So uh, might someone possibly accuse us of replacement theology with this, what? Kind, <laughs> with this kind of replacement stuff? Replacement right? theology. That, what, a, what a great insult. Yeah. You know, if you don't like someone's right. theology, oh, that's replacement theology, which is in a sense like the ultimate insult. So you're saying God made these promises to these people, and uh, how dare you, Mike Grimes, how dare you? <laughs> How dare the pactum <laughs> say that, you know, now it's cosmological, now it's worldwide, and now he's the heir of the world when it was supposed to be a place the size of New Jersey. Right. Well, I, uh, that's, that's just lame. It's yeah. not replacement theology. It, it's, but the Bible teaches fulfillment. Yeah, sure. And there are definitely types and shadows. The substance, belong, the substance does not belong to the nation of Israel. Right. The substance yes. belongs to Christ. Yes. Israel's a servant. Read Isaiah. Israel's a servant. They're an unfaithful servant. And what do we have? We have that servant personified. And the servant personified is none other than the suffering servant who is Jesus, the faithful servant and the faithful son. So we, what we have to keep in mind is the Bible has progressive revelation. Hmm. Hebrew, Hebrews will help your theology a lot. I think I said it on a recent episode, yeah, yeah, it ruined my theology. Yeah. It will ruin... <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Hebrews Fix 1, it. long ago at many times and in many ways, think about all the history of Israel, for example. Sure, yeah. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. All of that is absolutely true. God is a speaking God. He's a revealing God. And then in verse 2, wonderfully it says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Mm. And it goes on to unpack the fact that the son is the ultimate. The son is the everything. It was always designed to anticipate the ultimate son, the ultimate revelation of God. And a big part of the argument of Hebrews is don't you don't go back. Hmm, yeah. Don't go back. Even if people call you, you know, re, a replacement theologian, right. <laughs> you say, no, how, how dare you offend me and put some someone or something else in the place of 
Christ. Yeah. There's yeah. A, there's kind of a, a negative label for putting things in place of Christ, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's anti-Christ. anti-Christ. <laughs> so no one will ever be able to convince me that there should be a centrality of place uh, that that is really where Christ and Christ alone deserves to be. Sure, yeah. Now, as we're talking about this one with Israel uh, being typological, it kind of leads us to our next one, right? So we're talking about this not just being a one central location type thing that we're all about and focusing on Mm -hmm. uh, here. So maybe a fourth thing we need to think about and uh, be aware of and know about Israel is that traveling to Israel is not... A pilgrimage. I, I don't. We usually take pilgrim tours to Israel. We do. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so shout, funny. shout out, pilgrim tours. Shout out to pilgrim tours because they do a great job. They do a great and job. We've, yeah. all, we've only ever used them, so they do an awesome job. And I don't mind calling myself as a, uh, a as a Christian. I'm yeah. a pilgrim, pilgrim because on the way, right? we're on our way to the to the heavenly, heavenly Jerusalem. Jerusalem. <laughs> this is not our home. We're pilgrims. Right, right. So yes. I don't, the verbiage is good verbiage, yeah. but uh, a pilgrimage, according to the dictionary, according to Merriam Webster, it's a journey. There's a journey Ooh, of a pilgrim. I like journeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it says, especially one to a shrine or a sacred place. Right. Yeah. And that's where the red flags come. Yes, yeah. We're not on our way to a shrine or a sacred place if we're traveling to Israel. Uh, we might be pilgrims, yeah. <laughs> but it is not a pilgrimage. Yes. Uh, we might be taking pilgrim tours, but it is not a pilgrimage. <laughs> because biblical Christianity, listen carefully to get this, bil- biblical Christianity does not have pilgrimages. Hmm. We don't go to shrines because we don't have shrines either, and we don't go to sacred places either, as a matter of fact, um, in light of John chapter four, in light of Matthew 24, 25. So uh, if, if, if we mean a spiritual mandate, right? If if you go to a certain place and do certain things, you're going to get special blessings from God. uh, And this is good or necessary. We say no way. Yeah. It's not true. Right. So Islam uh, requires a pilgrimage to go to Mecca, uh, yep. In Saudi Arabia, yep. if you're able, and there's all kinds of qualifiers. Sure, but, yeah. So they do require it. Buddhism has pilgrimages. And then Roman Roman Catholics, Roman Catholicism, this gets a little bit closer to home, uh, also uh, affirms pilgrimages. Hmm. So uh, they see them as something supernatural that can give you supernatural aid. Uh, I looked it up in the New Advent um, Encyclopedia, I think it is. Hmm. So I find yeah. it helpful to learn Catholic things now. And sure, then. yeah. It says pilgrimages may be defined as journeys. Oh, they like journeys. Yep. Journeys made to some place with the purpose of venerating it or in order to ask, uh, therefore, supernatural aid or to discharge some religious obligation. Hmm. So they, they do affirm such things. Um, Pope Francis uh, in 2016 uh, made a speech and he said this, a pilgrimage is not the same as a vacation. Oh, hmm. oh, so I could justify my <laughs> you vacation can, you somewhere can justify your and vacation. say, actually, it's a pilgrimage. It's a pilgrimage. So. <laughs> okay. He says, then he goes on to say, making a pilgrimage to shrines is of the most eloquent expressions of the faith of God's people. Each person carries within his heart or her heart a special wish and a particular prayer. Hmm. Those who enter the shrine immediately feel that they are at home, welcomed, understood, and supported. Oh, <laughs> it kind of makes you want to want to go. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, <laughs> sounds it sounds kind of nice. Sounds, I'm getting all the warm fuzzies, right? I mean, hey, it sounds kind of nice. <laughs> Maybe one other fascinating statement from Rome. Uh, it says, granting then this inst- uh, granting then this instinctive movement of human nature. Uh, we should expect to find that in Christianity, God would himself satisfy the craving he had first 
himself created. Hmm. And you go, what? Whoa. Well, they're saying since we have this longing and this desire, right. it, it must be God-given. It must be God-given. There's a way to satisfy that. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I don't buy it. Hmm. I don't buy it at all. Um, and Rome does discourage you know, the abuses. I read so much stuff about pilgrimages yesterday. It wasn't even funny. <laughs> you know, and Because the Protestants like to point out the abuses, and they're like, yeah, it could be abused. But nevertheless, it's legitimate, and God made us hmm. to desire this. The problem is it's not a biblical mandate. Sure, yeah. And so since it's not a biblical mandate, we're going to say, when someone says, well, what's the harm just having it be a pilgrimage? We're going to say, well, the harm is uh, legalism. You're now telling people sure. that they need to do this when you don't need to, as right. a matter of fact. Right. And we're insisting upon things the Bible doesn't it's insist upon. And then not only that, it creates this kind of haves and haves yeah, nots. Ha- yeah, for sure. Kind of a Gnostic kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, well, I've taken a pilgrimage and I've been to the whatever it might be. And that's not helpful because Colossians 2.10 says, if you're in Christ... You've been made complete in Christ. Yeah, yeah. And so, is it nice to travel and see the Sea of Galilee? Sure, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you learn about the geography maybe better? Absolutely. Go check it out. Um, but you don't need to. You will be in the New Jerusalem someday, yeah. and I promise you, it looks a lot better than the old Jerusalem yeah. does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm glad we're talking about this, Mike, because I think it's actually significant for those who do end up going to Israel. Because if you go to Israel and you're not into the, what are we calling these things again? Pilgrimages. Pilgrimage, yeah. If you don't have a category for pilgrimage, and we don't as Protestants, right, right. if you don't have a category for pilgrimage, in a sense, you can see a lot of things pretty fast. Yeah. Because you're going to go to, for example, Nazareth, and you're going to say, um, well, there are a lot of Muslims here. Mm. Uh, it's not the nicest city I've ever been to. Hmm, there's a Catholic church and a shrine, so that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you're like, huh, I heard they have a good bread store, <laughs> <laughs> which they do. But, and they have a cool, you know, um, first century kind of reenactment thing you walk through because they want to show you what it might have been like back when Jesus was there. Yeah. yeah. But in, in one sense, I want to say that seems kind of dumb, but what else are you going to do there? What a, yeah, sure. Well, so if you don't have a category for pilgrimage, which we don't think you should because we don't have shrines, it's a pretty quick trip going through Nazareth. Hmm. Uh, same thing is true of Bethlehem. You can either wait in line and go to the church and see where Jesus was born. Wink, wink. wink he, yeah. we, we, he was born in Bethlehem for sure, but we don't know where. Right. And so... Do we really need to go to Bethlehem? Could we do a drive-by? I mean, um, it's really interesting to to think through all of these different places. And I don't want to be um, a Scrooge about it, (laughs) bah humbug. It's awesome. It's great to see the land. It's great to see the people. It's great to uh, think and read your Bible and consider all that Jesus did there. Uh, but if you don't have a place for, oh, it's like super special water. Mm. I've, I, my, special water. Right? You, oh, you yeah. watch people, uh, well, they, you watch people drink water from the Sea of Galilee. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to see them drink the water from the Dead Sea, but then they'd oh, have to go to yikes. the that, ER, yeah, I think. Yeah, straight to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of it ends up being a really awesome historic tour, but you can save yourself a lot of the heartache of of all of the, you know, Jerusalem junk. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. So (laughs) people say, I want to get baptized, you know, where Jesus was baptized and you're going to get baptized in the Jordan river. And you say, well, have you been baptized before? Yes. 
well, then, where is it in the Bible right, that you, that you should get yeah. baptized in the Jordan River and then you go to the place? Well, it's because it's where they sell all the stuff. Oh, sure. Yep. They have all, all of the trinkets and all of the gold jewelry and all this stuff. And now it's special because I got baptized in the Jordan River and now I'm more Christ-like and now it's Gnosticism. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's it, not helpful. Yeah, that's not good. When we take tours to Israel, I like to take them to the to a different baptism site, not the one right outside of Galilee, but a different one, still Jordan River, and it's brown and brown, super, gross. The yeah. flies are super well fed, oh. and uh, the cool thing is, it's the the river's really narrow there, and so you can. You can throw a rock at the Jordanian officers on the other side. Not not advisable. Right, right. You probably Don't shouldn't do that. throw rocks Don't do at them. That. But uh, <laughs> that way you get a closer look at Jordan. Sure. So. Yeah. But it's it's a little bit of a I don't want to say a downer. Dougie Downer. Mm, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to say that, but it it is. It puts things in a different kind of perspective if it's not a pilgrimage kind of place. Right. Yeah. Different kind of uh, trip if you go with that in mind. Yep. And I, I don't think it's worse. I think it's better. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a little bit different. Like, why didn't we spend more time in that town? Sure. Well, did we really need to? Did Yeah. What, what did you want to see there? Give <laughs> candles and money to that shrine? No, we didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Guess we'll move somewhere else. Right. How are we doing on time over We're there? doing okay. We're doing great on time. We're moving on through these. We've got a couple of things left on our list here for you about Jerusalem. Next one is that... Uh, did you know that when you go to Israel, and if you go to Israel... I'm sitting down. Tell me. Does, tell me. It does not. It will not make your Bible come alive. Oh, this it is won't do it. number five on our list. Come to Israel and see the Bible come alive. It just makes the Bible come alive when you come to Israel, they say. It well, won't do it. And Once again, if someone says that to you, let's be have nice. tact. Let's be, be nice, nice like Mike Grimes is. I'm so nice. And you're just going <laughs> to smile and say, that's right. And, yes. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> Mike, our next guide, I just watched a video the other day that, from the guide that we're going to use the next time we we go to Israel, and I think he said this very thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I get it. I understand what he's saying. He's right. saying yeah, what they mean by it'll it. It'll help you understand the geography sure. and all of that kind of Gives stuff. You a new and, perspective and, yeah, understanding there. Yeah, yeah, topography, all of that stuff. It does help. It's nice. But that kind of... It, this offends me when people say it makes the Bible come alive because the Bible came alive. The Bible is alive. It is. How about that? Yes, it's living yeah. and active and sharper than in any two-edged sword. Right. Hebrews, Hebrews 4.12. 4, yeah. uh, it is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. Um, the Spirit illumines us so that we can understand. So it is alive. It's been alive to, from my perspective ever since I was converted. Mm. And I didn't need to go to Israel to get yeah, converted. Right. So um, it doesn't. The Bible is alive now. It mm. might help you understand it. Absolutely. But people get converted in Israel. Yes. The last time I was there, someone on our, our group got converted. Praise yeah. God for that. Yeah, awesome. But you can you can get converted in Israel, but you could also get converted in, wait for it, another another place that starts with an I, Iowa. Iowa. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Hawkeye hey, guy you know, over there. What a fantastic place to be converted. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because it's heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa's the typological <laughs> What? Ge Gehenna. Uh. <laughs> I was the tip of I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble. So I'm just going to stop he, there. He's an Iowa hater. Iowa's amazing. Okay. Mike's from Iowa. Pat's from Nebraska. It's just kind of how we have to roll. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it doesn't make the Bible come alive. It doesn't even make when the Bible. Even when your guide says that, it's okay. Just roll with it. It's yep. fine. 
That's Otherwise, funny. the Bible would be dead for all the people who hadn't taken a pilgrimage there. It's true. Yeah, again, another haves, have-nots situation, right? Speaking of the pilgrimage and Bible come alive kind of stuff, uh, if you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is, it's, it's gross. I mean, it's just idolatrous, mm, yeah. gross, and it, it's more than likely from what I've been told from you know, more conservative Bible scholars, it probably actually is the area, the general area where Jesus was crucified and was raised from the dead. Mm. But by now it's, you know, land built upon land, built, built upon land. Sure. So it would be way, way underground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you don't want it to be there because the, the Catholicism kind of idolatrous nature mm. of the place is so gross. But anyway, all of that to say, when you walk in, there's this like slab of, I don't know if it's marble or stone or what it is. And supposedly it's where they laid Jesus. And so everybody is like on their knees, on their faces, kissing it. And then they're, they're like taking, right. They'll take their wedding rings off and rub it on there and necklaces, all kinds of stuff. And so when I was there the last time with my brother, you know, we didn't have our actual Bibles with us, but we had like our iPads. Oh no. no. (laughs) Leave it to Mike Avendroth to impress the masses. So he's got his iPad laid there. (laughs) For the special anointing. He has a special, special anointing at the Church of the Sepulchre. <laughs> oh, man. So oh, uh, the Bible wild. is alive and you don't need it to rub. You don't need to rub it on, on even if it's marble slab. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to do that. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, moving along. We have two here. left. Two left here. Uh, so uh, as we're talking about this, uh, what we're really trying to highlight here is that it's not Israel, but it's Jesus that should capture your devotion. Jesus is the answer to just just about every question, yeah, but not I mean, not all of the questions. Yeah. So we want your attention to be at Christ. When you read the history. Bible, right, the Old Testament included, Jesus should be on your mind if you're a Christian, right? right? Yeah. Even yeah. if it's in in in, it's hard to say in anticipation. In anticipation. Yeah. So when you te- when you read the Bible, when you teach the Bible, when you think about Old Covenant Israel, it's in- anticipating <laughs> <laughs> typologically. So right. Promised land. If you go to Israel, same thing. Yeah. When you hear about Israel, same thing. Yeah. When you're asked by preachers to give money to support the nation of Israel and consider it part of your Christian giving, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Colossians 2.17. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Second mm. Corinthians one twenty. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is in Christ. Mm. Uh, Galatians three sixteen is important here. It says, "Now the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring." Mm. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is. Christ. Mm, yeah. and so here we, he, he's even helping us to understand the Old Testament better when he says what he says in Galatians 3.16. We've already talked about Hebrews 1 in right. his last days. He's spoken to us through his son. And someone's going to say, you guys seem, by saying these kind of things, are you being like, are you, are you being negative toward the Jews? Are you being negative toward uh, Israel? And I would say absolutely mm-hmm. not. Jesus yeah. is the savior of the world, yeah. Jew and Gentile, but your only hope is to trust in the resurrected Messiah. Right. And so this isn't anti-Jewish at all, but it would be, I would just say, it would be anti-Jewish to tell people that the shadows are the substance. Yeah. That's not loving. That's not kind. It's like, well, we can't tell people that they're sinful because it might hurt their feelings. Mm. We have to tell them they're sinful so that they look for a sin bearer. This is the same way. So lovingly, kindly, we want to say to anyone, everyone, Jewish or Gentile, you need to trust in the substance who is none other than Christ. That's the spirit of the book of Hebrews. Hmm. 
And so let, let's keep that in mind. This is, this is pro-Jew, if you will. Uh, Abendroth, Pat Abendroth. That's a Jewish name. Uh, and so I, I, I'm very pro-Pat. I'm very pro-Jewish. <laughs> but my only hope as a person of Jewish heritage is in Jesus the Jew yeah. who died for the sins of his people, which includes Jew and Gentile. Mm. But he's the substance. He's the one we look to, not the shadows, yeah. not the place, but the person of Christ. Ready for the last one? We're ready for the last one. The seventh and final one. I think we can do this one quickly. Seven, yes. I think we could have done six, but then it wouldn't have been seven. It wouldn't have been seven. It's it's only right to That's how it works. Seventh, when you yes. do six, it's not seven. Right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right, last one. Israel provides a wonderful stage for redemption in Christ. And I think we probably should correct that and say, should be past tense, right? Yeah. Israel provided, provided a wonderful stage for redemption in Christ. Yes. So w- what a amazing, I didn't say incredible, because uh, it has credibility. Yeah. <laughs> what an amazing, amazing stage was, was there mm. uh, through the old covenant times for Jesus to show up in time and space, yeah. born under the law, right? Um, virgin conceived to grow up on planet earth, to do everything right, to fulfill all righteousness. Yeah. He did all of this, even under the strict nature of the old covenant law and system so that he would fulfill it. Uh, it's it's awesome. You want to do that O. Palmer Robertson Yeah, quote? another quote from O. Palmer Robert, Robertson. He says, As a grand stage set for carrying out the critical events of the drama of redemption, this land served God and man well. Indeed, it served yeah. it well. That's from understanding the land of the Bible. And as Christians, we know, according to Ephesians 1 and other texts, that God had a plan for redemption that existed before the Old Covenant. Yeah. And so that, and it was to focus on his son, who is none other than Jesus. Mm. And so, with that in mind, now because we read the Bible like supernatural, uh, like it's a supernatural book because it was written by God, so it's true. <laughs> so, it so we read the Bible that way, and we say, "Oh, before the foundation of the world, oh, before the old covenant system, before the nation of Israel mm. ever in the old covenant, it was all designed by God for a purpose, and it was." purposed to lead us to Christ yeah. and to provide the perfect setting for him to be tested, for him to succeed, for him to be our champion savior. What a great place Israel has been and has been in God's purposes of redemption. Yeah. I do like to tell people, if you do have an opportunity to go to Israel, you say, isn't it amazing that this is the very land, uh, maybe it's eight feet under. Sure. Okay, yep. We're not yep. doing the seven stations of the cross. We're not believing, mm-hmm. believing the guide right. when they say, right. this is where Jesus walked. <laughs> right. Because uh, there's a lot of strata underneath, sure. as a matter yep. of fact. So even if we go eight feet down, yeah. uh, this is where Jesus walked. But to, to say and to realize this is the very place in the world where Jesus earned salvation for us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's yeah. staggering to the mind, stirring to the heart. What a wonderful place it's played in God's redemptive history. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to say in wrapping this up regarding Israel? It makes me want to go. Yeah. It makes me want to go there, not for a pilgrimage, right. not to not a shrine. Not for a pilgrimage, no. But it makes me want to go there to <laughs> check out all the sites and all the shawarma and the falafel on mm. the zitar, on the bread. Oh. I don't know if I want to have the hummus ice cream though. That I don't. I don't know if I could do that. I, I would sample it. I would Maybe try if it. you mix the hummus ice cream with some <laughs> giraffe milk. I, I, saw, I saw where that was going. That was you beat me to the punch. Mix those two together, and you will have Man. yourself some delicacies. Those guys on the Pactum, they are really funny. And maybe uh, even if they're not really funny, they think they're funny. Yeah. Hey, you know, as long as we're having a good time. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for joining us and being a part of the Pactumverse. You can always find us online, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us if you'd like to to set up your pilgrim, I mean, tour to Israel. <laughs> Connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you here next time on The Pactum. <laughs>